Hello, and welcome to Voices for Medical Freedom. I'm John Stockton, here with my co-host, Ken Rutger. This week, we have two special guests, both medical doctors. Dr. Joel Wallace-Cog is a 19-year orthopedic surgeon. Also, we have Dr. Kirk Milhone. He's a highly decorated pediatric cardiologist and heart specialist. As former athletes, Ken and I want to have an honest, transparent discussion about players' heart health and their safety. We'll give it to you straight. No sugarcoating. No fear mongering. I know, Ken, before we get to the docs, I know you've done some, some work and, and have some graphs and stuff to present that just kind of show what we're talking about. I do, John. Thanks. This first graph, athlete deaths per month and the data for the years 2021 and 2022. And this is uh, the source is Good Sciencing. And you can find you can find this and look this up yourself, goodsciencing.com. And they'll have an intro area, and then they'll have pages and pages of of lists by month and year of athletes that have collapsed or died and links to the stories and their ages and as much information as they can get and gather. I mean, in the age of, of the internet and information, it's pretty amazing we've collected this and it's international. Okay, the asterisk is that I've adjusted for age. And so this is just the data that's 35 and under. The data that's on their website is all ages, but I've adjusted this and I'll tell you why in a little bit. But you can see that back at the beginning of 2021 in January and February, you started to see an uptick in deaths of athletes. And this is on a per month basis. And then a dip and then kind of a leveling off. What I did put down at the bottom, there was a, a Lassane study in that was published in 2006. And this is what we're using as kind of a pre-COVID baseline. And the, and the athlete death rate was 2.35 per month in this study. One of the things I did was I took at the peak, which was about in the fall of, of uh, 2021, when the vaccines were in full force and athletes were starting to get them uh, or shortly after getting them to, to participate in football and in uh, school, college sports and high school sports, there were mandates to that required vaccines. And so I did a six month running or not running average, but a six month monthly average that came out to 41.33 athletes per month dying. And the reason I put age 35 and under is because of the same study was 35 and under. So I wanted to make sure it was apples to apples. And on that baseline, over that six-month average, it was 17.58 times greater than the baseline. And John mentioned earlier, 1,700%, 1,700% increase. And then it started kind of leveling off. And unfortunately, it's unfortunate that it didn't drop back down to the baseline. But over the last nine months, We've had 22.89 athlete deaths per month at 35 and under, which is almost 10 times the baseline or almost a thousand percent increase. And so this graph kind of gives you a visual of, of the increases that have happened and, and the numbers that coincide with that. The CDC, of course, early on in April of 2021, saw that there was an increase in myocarditis and pericarditis publications that also highlighted this higher incidence of heart issues found in COVID-19 vaccination. 
myocarditis cases reported after mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccination, the Annals of Medicine and Surgery, that journal, and then the Lancet, which is really well uh, respected in the medical journal field. One of the things I thought was, well, is it the is it the spike protein from the vaccine or is it the spike protein from getting COVID? And so I found a study also, as I looked at the Journal of Clinical Medicine, the incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis in post-COVID-19 unvaccinated patients. So what they did is they took two groups, both unvaccinated, one group caught COVID-19, the other group unvaccinated without COVID-19, and what they found was it's not COVID-19 and the spike protein of COVID-19. There was no statistically significant difference between COVID-19 patients that are unvaccinated versus non-COVID-19 unvaccinated. Data suggests an increase in athletes collapsing and dying. Doctors and John, do you have any questions or comments based on what you saw and heard? Can I just start with a couple of general comments? I think, first of all, that was an excellent kind of review of the subject. It really, it was excellent. And and we are going to hear the FDA and the CDC try to attribute the myocarditis and the sudden deaths, I'm sure, to COVID. But this graph that you have up right now is very important because the rise in deaths directly correlates, in my opinion, with two things. The rollout of the vaccines, there's a second spike, which could be attributable to the mandates, which were January of 2022. Remember, COVID was out and, you know, rampant in 2020. But this graph really is a direct, has direct correlations uh, of athlete deaths per month with the rollout of the vaccines and then a second spike with, um, with regards to the mandates. Kirk, what do you think? Uh, well, you know, the We've been hearing all along, well, yes, it might cause myocarditis, but it's worse with COVID. I've had a number of people who got the shot, just like all good, right? Good Americans, get the shot. You're going to, you know, do your part so you can stop the spread. We'll stop the pandemic. Everybody goes back to normal. These are good people, smart people, taking the advice of the physicians they had trusted. The last cases are those where the heart is actually inflamed. And I think the evidence is very clear is this is spike protein specific. And now we have evidence to show that it is directly cardiotoxic. Um, that arrhythmia caused by a scar in the myocardium that is basically silent is what's causing this increase in sudden cardiac death in athletes. Our athletes, I believe, the reason why we're seeing it in athletes is because our athletes really test their hearts. A lot of kids are just sitting at home, they're watching TV, maybe playing video games. They're not really testing their hearts. But especially the adolescent kids, they're, they, they're ready to go. They're competitive. Our elite athletes, whether it's high school, college, or pro, they're pushing their hearts. I remember one time I was, I was uh, listening to an a, uh, interview from an uh, international marathon runner, and someone asked him, so what does it feel like when you run a marathon? He goes, well, I push myself to the point where I feel bad, and then I run a little faster. So they're used to pushing themselves. John, you know this. You're used to pushing yourself beyond what you're doing because of the goal. And there's that much competition. So you're taking your heart not to this relaxed place, but to the very edge of its ability to generate blood flow. You're taking it up maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten times as much blood flow in a minute. And that puts a lot of stress on the heart. And so that stress uncovers it. 
So I think that there are what I would recommend for people, especially the athletes who are really pushing their hearts. When you had your vaccine, if you had any discomfort, if you had any concern immediately afterwards, then what you really need is a cardiac MRI. Um, and I understand that's hard from a public health standpoint, but that's the only way I can reassure you what you're, what, if you have a, if you have a risk of sudden cardiac death or not, I, I can't, all the other tests, they'll just be a false negative. So that's where I think, but part of this comes with the changing the narrative that this is a real concern, that, that there's a reason why a lot of countries that watch their their um, population very closely are saying no more of this. We've normalized all of these injuries. I mean, people dropping dead left and right in, in the news, no one talks about it. It's become kind of the new normal. It's not normal. What's the remedy? Can I get back? I mean, wh when can I get back to playing? Am I, are you going to ground me? Or what's the athlete? What, what's that look like, that progression? Well, I think you have to see what if there's any damage. So you, they might come in and they might be part of the 98% who didn't have any damage. But if they're the 2%, well, then at 90 days, half of those people are better. So we don't have to worry about that. I think what we have to do is serially watch them and actually get real data. Um, to have sympathetic ears with that motive to what's best for our athletes is is something the player associations are primed for and should be great at. And we're hoping we can reach an ear there. In time, they need to change what the leagues are doing because the leagues are powerful. They're powerful um, because kids watch them. I, I think that that's a lot of what it was, is we were promised by the people that we thought we could trust that if you do A, that if you do this, then the pandemic will end and we'll get back to normal. And so everybody was willing to sort of hold their nose and do some things. But now it's come back to bite us pretty, pretty badly. I think the overall principle of the response to the pandemic and the vaccination program was hope. We just wanted to be done, like Kirk said, and we just hoped it would work. Even the doctors went, how do we get these guys back on the field? How do we, players associations, how do we get people back on the field? You know, you know, everyone's losing money here, right? <laughs> Everyone is losing money. How do we get them back on the field? What about, what would you do if you were a very high level athlete and you didn't have any symptoms? Would you still, would you pursue it? Or would you kind of say, okay, I can accept that two plus percent risk of myocarditis? Mm. I, I think, you know, I, I do this all the time because I have to evaluate my own self in terms of, especially <laughs> as I get older, like, what do yeah. I think I do? I think if I had, if I felt any fall off on my um, performance, um, then I would, then I would go get tested. But if I was completely well, I don't think I would. And part of that would be because I, I wouldn't want to know. So I, I think that that's, you know, there, you know, Joel, us doctors are often really bad patients because I think we, we don't want to know if, if it's not too bad. We don't want to go in and get tested to make it. So as John said too, that there, there's some real barriers. Not only the news that we have to give. But also, well, so what does this mean to me? And I could understand a pro athlete being the same way. I'm not going to see the doc. And I definitely don't want an MRI to uncover something that I feel fine for. Uh, we talked to the athletes. Um, I think the parents, you know, are right there listening in and, and trying to navigate that with their, their athlete kids. Um, 
John, you and I know the challenges that athletes face of, of uh, you know, not sure I want to get tested because I don't want to know. Um, I guess, uh, I guess the big question is with all the things we've talked about, where do we go from here? So the first thing we have to do is be honest. Okay. People, whatever that takes, people have to be honest and say, okay, we tried something. A lot of people took it. Even if we give people the benefit of the doubt, okay, we tried it. It was a mistake. We have to stop hurting more people. We have to look at where we're at. What we do know, and this came out in 2020 with two different case studies, is that if you've had myocarditis, any blunt trauma, and this happened in two rugby players, can initiate a sudden cardiac death event. So if we have these people who are underlying that have this maybe silent killer inside of them, it isn't commotia cordis. It's most likely a blunt trauma that causes initiated an abnormal response. Part of the scientific process is you can make a hypothesis and and if your data or your if your data starts being contrary you and you make a conclusion, you can revisit your conclusion. That's the scientific process. It's okay to be wrong in science. I mean, it, it happens all the time. But if you double down and be wrong, that's evil. That's a great finish, frankly. Um, the, those last two quotes by you guys are is phenomenal. I, I tell you, I, you guys are in a tough spot. Uh, I'm grateful you'll talk to us. I'm grateful you've made the stands that you've made and, and you speak out. You, you're risking a lot more than I am. I know that. And uh, I just want to salute you and say thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having the show. It.